Good morning, listeners. This is the creative brother, Eric, and I want to welcome you to what is going to be the last episode of season one. I just realized that this morning. (laughs) It's actually been a year since I uh, started the creative brother podcast series to go along with the the think tank and (laughs) 32 episodes later, (laughs) we got one year under our belts. So this is going to serve as the last episode for season one. And we're going to head into season two. So thanks for listening. Today, or shall I say this morning, because it is early. I've already slurped my coffee and all of that. And I sprayed some, it's November 1st. 2021. So this is my time of the year. I'm, I'm born in December. So once you get past Halloween, now you're into Sagittarian mode. <laughs> you're getting close to Sagittarian stuff. So uh, I sprayed my pine mist all in my office. My pine mist smell like Christmas trees and uh, I'm ready to go. Here we go. So today it's going to be a uh, continuation of episode 31 when I talked about problem solvers and we need, we need them or the earth is, uh, <laughs> we need more problem solvers. <laughs> I decided to keep that up because I'm motivated for that because it's something I already do. I just didn't put a name on it. Problem solvers. Then I've been, I've been visualizing the future for that. You know, step one, two and out in time. That's kind of sort of what I do. I put together, when I put together something, I visualize the path before I start walking the path, right? Kind of like what you see Tesla doing. Oh, no, we're going to sell, you know, chargers for everybody else. Well, they thought that up five, six years ago. Here's what we're going to do. Here's our path. Seven years from now, we'll sell chargers to everybody else, make more money after we made all our money already. You know, you have, you have to lay out your path. Um, not enough people think about it like that. They just, let's go! And get rolling. That's a strategy. <laughs> it is. That'll actually get you there faster in most cases. Here we go. Um, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're, we're going to talk about the problem solver community that I'd like to see that's already in place. But the problem solver community I'm talking about is the one that I'm going to help create. Young people all the way up to older people who would help them and guide them. So this episode, here it is, Occupational Opportunities for Problem Solvers. That's the name of the title. That's the title. Occupational Opportunities for Problem Solvers. We're just going to talk about self-directed stuff. And you can, you know, you're a problem solver. You're listening right now. You consider yourself a problem solver. Okay, fine. You know, right now I'm talking to people who, you know, in my concentric circle that's getting wider and wider, slowly, (laughs) really slowly. But ultimately, this episode really is for the kids that I talk to and young people. Everybody else listening in, you know, you can be entertained. But this is for the people that I am advocating towards. Okay, it really is to make them understand a little bit more just how much power they have over their lives. You know, it, it really is. So here we go. The thesis, create your own path and become a problem solver. That's just it. You don't have to get hired to be one. 
You don't have to go through scrutiny. Oh, we don't know if you're ready yet to work for us to be a problem solver for us. Screw that. Who? Going through scrutiny from others. I scored really low on all of, all of the IQ tests growing up that I took. And I took a bunch on, you know, considering the thoughts of others when it came down to what you thought. Oh, I need your approval. I scored low on seeking the approval of others, but I'm a damn good player. But I'm not coming to you to ask you for your approval, buddy. And that includes women, buddy. What I do do is I go to the conspiracy theorists in my life and the negative people, and I'll run stuff past them. What do you think about what I'm doing right now with this, uh, you know, building these houses, these 300 and something homes and commercial properties and, you know, community center? Oh, my God, you've never done that before. Blah, blah, blah. And I write it all down. I've never done it. And that's true. Blah, 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 blah. That's true. That's true. You get truth. Now, you call up your folks that love you. Oh, you're great. You're going to do it. Oh, you're just, you always hit the nail on the head. You always do it. That's not helpful. Oh, my God. <laughs> that ain't helpful. It makes you feel good while you're on the phone with your supporters. But you hang up the phone, you're like, what did I learn here? I'm great. Okay, I can't use that. Mm-mm. So call the folks that hate you and hate your plans, hate what you do. They, they're envious that you always succeed. They're going to tell you where you suck. And they're not lying either. <laughs> they're not lying. You just don't want <laughs> Some of it is, but most of it is somewhere close to the truth. So problem solvers, I want to create a community. And this is what I'm already doing, but I'm going for it. I am going for it. Because there's so many areas where problems need to be solved. And there's always people there that can tell you what's going on. Well, yeah, if you did, oh my God, I pass by it every day, I see it. I'm 12. I've been seeing this for 10 years. Like, wait a minute, you didn't walk past this at two. Yes, I did. I was in the stroller. Kept seeing it. Oh my God. So there's always people who, there's always problem solvers who are looking at the problem every day local so that's those are the people i'm talking about they really are we need to recruit them <laughs> turn them into problem solvers not identification you know problem problem identification people i can tell you what all the problems are yeah but how many of them you fixing you got solutions well that's not i don't uh, uh, uh <clears throat> hadn't thought about it like that before okay let's get going so point number one you don't have to wait you can start now, problem solver, who pointed out the problem. <laughs> and these are the people I'm talking to. What I want to do is I want, I'm doing it locally. I'm making it part of my mission in my nonprofit, a problem solver mission to just rally up folks. Let's go solve this problem next Saturday. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to identify. I'm just, I'm a problem solver. I'm just going to prove it. Just going to rally up folks. Let's go over here and paint this lady's house. We see it falling apart. Let's go. Who, who lives here? Let's knock on the door and tell them we're coming in here next Saturday and make this thing better. Okay. Let's solve some problems. That's one area. Residential. Folks don't have money. Maybe she's 80. Doesn't live alone. Can't afford it. Let's help her out. Him out. Let's do it. Next Thursday. We'll get some materials from Home Depot for free. Or maybe I'll pay for them. Or you pay for them. That's a problem to be solved. 
Okay, so you don't have to wait. You can start now. And I'm talking about children. The best thing, let me tell you something, listeners. I had a boy come to my door, oh, six years ago, seven, no longer than that, because my son was in high school, 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> my son goes, he went to the summer with his mom. So he was always gone at that point in time. This kid came to the door. Sir, I'm painting, um, I'm stenciling um, uh, address numbers on the curb. Can I do yours? I grabbed him and hugged him. I did the same thing as a kid. That's one of my pursuits. And that takes drive and independence. I hugged him. And I told him, well, I'm trying to get my son to do that. So here's $10 anyway. But I'm trying to get my son to understand how to do that. But you're great. He told me how he did it. He went, he did it only in the evenings when it was cool and all of that. And I just, oh my God. I'm, 10 years later, he's probably in, you know, through college and probably out leading a team of people in problem solving. 10 years later, I'm, I'm telling you, that young man had drive. He had what is, was required to be a problem solver, okay? Point number two is this. <laughs> it's a great lead-in. There are a ton of opportunities all around you if you see them as that. Air to me, the creative brother, Eric. Air, just simple air. That's gold to me. If only everybody else learned how to turn it into money. You know, I can't, I can, there's not enough time in the day or in my lifetime to do all the things that I see all around me that need attention. And most of them can be uh, turned into financial um, boons, B-O-O-N-S. If, if I had time to do them, if I could recruit enough people to do it, the problem I have is everybody wants a paycheck. Everybody want to get a check. But nobody wants to come in and work with you to push that proverbial ball up the hill and ride the wave on the other side. They want to help you do it, get a check, go home, tell everybody they're on the team. Where is the drive? Out of the eight out of 10 people, I'm not seeing it. I'm gonna focus on those two out of 10 that have that drive and need some direction or need some collaboration or just, you know, reaching out, looking for someone to, you know, you know, I didn't, or not looking for someone that's already there that can just say, you know, what, what about this? What about that? And this is what I did. Oh yeah. Then you, there it is. The driven. There are tons of opportunities. We're going to talk about these in a few minutes. Okay. Point number three, and then we're going to get to the opportunities that are out there. Again, a nice little segue. If you're industrious enough, and when I say enough, we're talking about beyond the average person that, okay, good example. They lost their job last Friday. Okay, they got six weeks pay. Okay, you got laid off, you got six weeks pay last week. Today's Tuesday. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that six weeks pay? And what are you going to do with the six weeks? You're going to wait a month, start looking for a job, you're going to chill out, chillax. You're going to go on a road trip with your loved one, with your girl, with your man gonna go to Italy or something, spend that money up and come back desperately looking for a job. Oh, I only have two weeks money left. 
or you're going to get out there and do some of the things in this in these first two weeks that you've been yearning to do, including starting up a money revenue generating little thing, little sideline business. Get that thing going. My goal for you is, is to teach you enough. If you're listening, you're learning. Keep that money in the bank, man. Get back going. Get something going. Use that money to invest for what you want to do, what you've always wanted to do. Maybe it's enough to put down on a piece of land. That's, that's going to increase in value. You, you feeling me? You, you feel me? I'm going to use some terms from the 90s. You feeling me? You want to keep that money. You don't want to spend it. Get going. Now, act like you don't have it. Don't get desperate. Don't look for a job every day. That's the worst thing ever. Don't look for a job on Mondays. Um, yeah, Mondays. You start Tuesday and you work your way to Thursday. I only do it for two hours a day on those days you do it. Because the same people are there every day. There's only a few jobs. But go after being a problem solver. Fill your day up with problem solving. Enjoying yourself. Relaxation a little bit. Just a little. Go to bed early. Get up early. Exercise. Do all those things. And then become industrious. If you're industrious, you can turn your sideline into your full time. But the main thing is, is just make some money. Make money. Take time out. Put it together. All right. So problem solvers, now let's have some fun. Okay. Here's some of the opportunities out there that I wrote down. There's so many. But I wrote down some that'll get us, that'll just kind of categorically get us going and we won't have a long podcast episode. <laughs> okay. The last episode, I talked about the waste business and the waste issue and how humans are living alongside the waste that we create. Okay. We, we're living alongside it. We're putting all that stuff underground and covering it up. Then tomorrow we're doing it again. Every day they put the trash in the ground, cover it up. You can't live on that land anymore. Land is unusable, okay? If you just went to your property tax website for your county and called, pulled down all the property tax records into an Excel spreadsheet, if you looked at the category of the real estate, what type it is, there's also there's going to be a code there for the unusable properties. Most of that stuff is because it's waste, waste property. They've covered it up with, you know, that's trash stuff. Just if you want to see how many how many uh, acres of land in your community, in your county, are, are considered unusable, just do that. Go to your county, you know, property and do a search. You can typically download them all for, you know, the entire county. You can get a good look at how many properties have been categorized as unusable. Then you'll get a sense of, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so waste on land, in the, in the water, and in the air. This is an, a huge area for problem solvers. It really is. Local. It starts, everything is local. So, because I'm in the business, you know, I sell equipment that's for, that's one of the categories that it's used for, is for waste, transport of waste. You know, sucking it up and getting it out and, and transporting it somewhere else. And we're not talking just trash. We're talking about an industry, right? All, you know, uh, tank bottoms, you know, with stuff in the bottom of the tanks, you know, that are for maritime and all kinds of stuff, you know, waste. 
We need people who are working on what to do with this stuff, how to get rid of it, processes, procedures, engineering, you know, chemical, you know, chemi- chemistry, all of that. How do we how do we handle this? We created it. We need to uncreate. We need to we need to get rid of it. We need to figure it out. We can. We just don't know how yet. We just don't know how. Energy. How to make money from it while helping the environment. That's the biggest thing. And for me, if you listen to my podcast episodes, you know that I'm a I'm working my way towards being a small power generator. You're getting my small power generator's license here in Texas to create energy. What I'm working on right now is, is what's the best way for me to set this up? I've decided to separate my energy production from my real estate. I'm still going to get the SPG and put, you know, uh, power panels and all that on the properties and generate power and sell the re- renewable energy cre- uh, credits and sell the man hours, you know, the, uh, you know, the wattage. But I'm looking at what's the best possible way for me to set up to be a small power generator. I'm looking at hydro, self-contained you know, self-contained high, uh, units. You know, that's what, that's what I want to do. I want to design my own, but I want to take what's already out there. You know, self-contained micro-hydro power generation systems. That's what I want to set up. Little farms. This is already being done, just not with water. It's being done with solar by different power companies. And they have little divisions where they have little small power, you know, SPG stations. You know, and they make power on a smaller level and they add it all up and it comes to a, it becomes bigger. Right. So that's something that we need. We need to focus on how the everyday citizen can make money generating power and putting that power into the grid. I already know you got to get an SPG license, small, gen, small power generators license in your state and then sell those renewable energy credits. More people, just think if you're 58 right now, headed towards retirement in a few years, or maybe, I don't know how long you're going to work, but you want to sit at home and make money. Well, if you're making money on solar and hydro, you know, uh, water and all of that, the check might be big enough every month to where, man, I could have been doing this all along. So, small, uh, so uh, problem solvers, we need more of you addressing this energy, how to make money, how to get the energy production equipment smaller so we can put them on our properties and make money everybody's getting a check how much i mean how much you getting john oh last month we made uh we got about twenty nine hundred dollars huh you know i got a farm out in the woods out there man i think i'm gonna do 18 grand this month that's what the meter says i got five buildings out there five buildings we making money man i'm quitting my job Oh, you kidding. <laughs> you have a bunch of folks making money on power and nobody working. Like, well, we can't get anybody to go to work. They're making money on power. That's the thing that could happen. So, okay, transport. One of my, you know, one of my areas, you know, my how I make my money, right? It's, but it's not just about cars. You know, we need to consider how to power them, make them less expensive, and have a plan for trashing them, Right? And what, you know, we need to regenerate all that, all those materials and reuse them, recycle the material. We're doing all of that, but it's extremely inefficient. What I visualize is our processes that break down the molecular level, you know, down to the molecular level of the materials. And we start completely over, you know, with, with, with. Materials that can be, you know, re 
converge, pull it in together, and start all over. Right now, everything, heat, heat is the problem. It requires a lot of energy to do these things. But what I'm saying is, is we don't know yet. We can do any of this stuff. We can do any of it. The natural universe has set it up for us to be able to do it. We just don't know how yet. So we need to work on that. Transport, you know, battery power, lithium and the natural uh, uh, minerals that we use right now, they're, they're not, they're finite. We don't have enough to go forever. We're going to have to figure out what other kind of materials um, we can use to power our vehicles and other equipment so we can, you know, use it. I personally believe we're going to figure out how to use simple air to do most everything. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're going to figure out how to use the air around us just to do it all. And we don't know yet. That's what I'm saying. Medical, the medical area, med tech, right? Med tech is needed to make it easier to diagnose and treat, lower the costs, attack old diseases. One of the problems with med tech is if we get really good at it, we're going to end up living a little more and, you know, longer and longer and crowd the earth up. Once again, going back to number one, the waste, less space on earth because of the waste that we're creating and we're living alongside it. It's inevitable, listeners, that earth is headed towards some sort of correction when it comes to humans. How long it will take to get there before we start really working? I mean, before we realize we're not all going to be able to be here together? I don't know. But it's going to be created by the lack of space and resources. That's going to that's gonna create the problems. And then we're going to end up killing one another. And there's going to be fewer humans on this earth, if any at all. That's the inevitability of our existence mainly because we ignore the obvious until it becomes extremely obvious and then too late to actually affect the change that we would have done on the front end, right? So what do, what do humans do when, they, when, when things get tough? Kill one another. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, right? They eliminate the entire whatever so we can have that. We're inevitably headed in that direction. And because different um, cultures go about things differently, right now the Chinese have built themselves up to be actually the number one society on the earth. They are. We just don't know it yet. When I say we Americans, they are. They did it in 20 years with our money. I'll leave it at that for now. So med tech is needed to make um, to help make us better. But you know what I think the, where the problem solving uh, opportunities are across Anything that I'm talking about, listeners, the opportunities are the affordability factor. If none of this stuff is affordable on the problem solving side, actually, the affordability factor is the number one uh, consideration across all of the things I'm talking about. If they're not affordable, all you're doing is creating um, uh, further. You're actually just further segmenting people into have and have nots. It's just that simple. I have it. I have what it takes to get it. We don't have what it takes to get it. So we're going to take it. <laughs> we're coming to your house tonight while you're asleep. And we're going to take it. We're getting it. I'll be damned if my kid dies because we don't have this stuff. You have it. We're going to take it. And there it is. So conflict 
it's going to be where we go in the future over what people want and need. If, if we can get around that now by making things affordable, right? Guy doesn't have to take it from you if he can go get it, right? So education, that's a nice segue. How to more effectively teach. I have teaching quote, you know, quote and end quotes. How, how to more effectively teach and how to reach more people, especially the shut-ins, the physically and mentally challenged, um, and all of that. People in communities that have less. And I don't think uh, the people who come from communities that have more, you say you understand. 80% of you don't. You don't understand what that means. You really don't. You know, my mother uh, is a cancer survivor. She went through all of that earlier this year, and she rang the bell, and she's good. Okay, so she's good, right? You know, but she's a she's a fatalist. <laughs> she thought she was a goner. Oh, I've had a good life, blah blah. I'm like, oh my god, just take the medicine, you know, and let's see where it turns out, lady. You know, but that's her thing. She's on the other side of that. You know, the thing is, is that with that said, I got I kind of forgot my point. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The, the, the thing is, she said to me, you don't understand what it means to have had cancer. Uh, you don't understand what it means when I, when, you t when I tell you that your brother has a heart condition. and Because uh, and, I asked, well, why can't he walk a little bit and get the blood flowing so he won't feel funny? Can he walk some and exercise a little bit? No, you don't understand. You've never had that. And I just sat there and I said, you're right. I have never had heart, a heart condition, nor have I had cancer. So I can only empathize, you know, I can only just feel for you. I can't really understand what it means, you know, what it means. Same thing when it comes to communities that don't have. If you come from a community of having or something close to that, you don't get, you don't get it. You just don't. You can lean and under, you know, empathize, but that's that's the end of it. Okay, so when it comes to uh, to education, and then the next topic, how to more effectively teach and how to reach more people, especially those that are shut in, the physically, you know, which includes the physically challenged, the mentally challenged, and all of that. Um, education and through COVID, I found out a person that got his master's degree. And in, in 2001, online, you know, grad student, I, I think maybe the third um, class at the University of Maryland School of Business to do that. So I'm like an early adopter of that. And I'm going to be honest with you. I thought we were further along in online education in 2020, 2021 than we actually were. I joke with my other techie friends you know, especially the business class. And I, you know what? We've been selling to one another all this time. We have been selling to one another. We have not been selling to the general community. <laughs> the project management software I've been, you know, been dealing with and all this other stuff I've been doing in tech, that's just been to the people, you know, to the same folks that bought the video conference software and bought all the other stuff that we were using for business. The general earth they weren't using it for education and all of that. It only became popular because it became necessary. 
The last, that's why the Zoom guy became a billionaire in six months and forgot where he started from. Should have just, you know, took that and cashed some of that money out in, maybe sold the company before he went, went back down again. But no, he got greedy, started to start buying people. Then the stock went back down. Like, dude, they don't need this. They don't want it. They don't want to do this. So we need to take what we learned from COVID and incorporate that in the areas where the needs are greatest. Then that would be the people who don't have the, 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 the biggest communities that have needs that don't that don't have stuff. More people need to be online going to school. More people need to be at work trying to find jobs that um, allow them or get you know go to school get a certificate Google just came out with all of their all of their stuff's free for you to get Google certificate uh, certificates it's all free now to public libraries everywhere all the cities and towns and junior colleges and all of that they're offering it all for free now so you can go online and study to be a, a, a certified Google whatever and work from your home office or you know your kitchen table in whatever community you're living in, as long as you, you know, can prove that, you know, you're capable and maybe get a $60,000 salary as opposed to working somewhere where you don't have that, okay? And your community is far removed from Google. There it is. I hire like that in my tech business. I don't need, I'm not setting up an office for you to come in there and sit around and blow and breathe that air and breathe that office. Mm -mm. That's expensive. Do you want to make money or do you want me to pay, pay rent? On a, on a building that you can go into. What do you want? Do you want that money? Or do you want to give it to the realty guy? <laughs> I mean, you know, let me know. All right. So when it comes to the next segue, living. And this is the last one because this covers a lot of ground. It does. I've covered a lot of ground here. Waste, energy, transport, medical, education. And the last one, living. You know, um, your everyday life. The biggest thing we're going through right now, we're seeing in this country, is that the Democrats are in charge, but not really. It's two senators that are in charge of the country right now. Two senators. They're in charge of America. We can't, no, we, the Democrats can't do a darn thing until these two people figure, decide what they want to do. Then we can do something. But right now, two mofos are in charge. And what's on the table is infrastructure, which America needs. I don't know. Why anyone would be against that other than for, for, for political reasons. Your team lost and you ain't happy. You know? <laughs> Your team lost and you ain't happy. You want to burn down everything. And there are a lot of people who are like that. And they're burning down themselves in the process. We don't do politics here except for, uh-oh, here we go. But uh, the biggest thing on my mind when it comes to living, it's a big deal is rebuilding communities and making them more close-knit. To me, that means affordable and diverse. You know, I'm doing that. I'm in the middle of planning um, a big project in my hometown in the historically black and brown community from which I was raised. 1.1 mile span of highway and 1.3 mile uh, 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 area around that. Right now, the, the community an event center, it's actually, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Can be, I'll call it an event center. That's 55 million. That's gonna be different from anything you've ever seen. And it's uh, 174 homes, and the 1.1 mile stretch of highway and the rear properties, that's 100 and something properties. 
I'm, I'm gonna, it's, it's gonna end up being somewhere around 160 million dollars. But because I'm coming, I'm coming out of the project management vocation, it's gonna be less than that because I know how to do it for less, right? So it's gonna probably be around 140 million, and through investors, including my money, my my money and and in major investors, and I'm gonna open it up to local investors so they can get dividends and all of that. My biggest deal is, is keeping the homes affordable. I've decided to partner up with Imagine Homes out of Australia. They're working with Home Depot and going through the kit concept, but we're gonna design specific kits for my properties that we're gonna be acquiring on the residential and duplex side. And they're gonna be, we're gonna know what they're gonna cost before we even build them. So the, the, the labor rate will be for assembling them on the properties. And they're gonna be, oh my God, the best use of space ever. They're not gonna be bigger than, no bigger than 2,000 square feet because other than that, you start getting out of the affordability factor, right? No bigger than 2,000 square feet, but that 2,000 square foot is gonna be the best use of space ever. Another thing is it's gonna be diverse. We need white people. Well, we don't need white people to move in, but it would be great if the community would be more diverse so we can have a diverse thought process in the community. That 1.1 mile span of commercial properties, re retail, that we're gonna build and rent, or rent out, that's gonna be lit up like Hong Kong from FM 646 to Deech Road. It's gonna be lit up. You're gonna be a firefly. If you come to that area and you see that, you're gonna be what I call a firefly. You will be drawn to it. You will have to turn right or have to turn left and go down there and see what's going on. 160,000 people in that community will be have access to it with 16,000 cars a day. There it is. We need more of that. I'm gonna make sure that that template will be available to all that want it. And it's a bit, it's really a best case scenario for a rural country, you know, sm small towns, rural and urban, you know? You, you take a, um, a stretch of uh, highway that needs to be redeveloped or developed itself, you know, initially, and you do it. And all the, commu in the community around that area you develop that, so you do residential, you do commercial, and then most towns and cities, they need a community center. I'm not talking about some some crappy stuff. My stuff's gonna be, you know, based on communications. It's, you know, it's gonna be something different. It's gonna draw people. It's gonna make money. There it is, I'm leaving it there. So we need people, problem solvers, to come in and think about the living, you know, how can we make more, make things better for our community? Is this area a good place to put a park? Who owns it? City? People? Can we do something here? Problem solvers. Let's solve it. How can we clean this stuff up, make it look like Norway? <laughs> clean looking. Canada. Canada's really clean. You ever been to Canada? Really clean. Really, really, really clean. Really, really, really. I can't think of any city in America where I've been to, and I've been uh, from one end of America to the other, north, south, east, and west. I cannot think just clearly what comes to mind of a city or a town that comes out to me is just extremely clean. Oh my God, this thing is extremely clean. Mm -mm. I can't think of anywhere I've been where I, the memory of it is extremely clean like Canada or Norway. Okay, just mm-mm. We need that here. 
Okay? It needs to. You show up. Oh, my God. Look at this. So, let's close. I've gone longer than normal. About five minutes longer than I normally do. Let's close this bad boy out. Don't wait for others, problem solvers. Get going. You know who you are. Here's what I want to leave you with. If you are doing this, I'm asking you right now to stop it. Stop relying on your main income. Okay? I don't care how much that might be. Some of you listening who are the older problem solvers, yeah, you should be doing well. You've been around for a minute, right? You had enough time to screw up and recover, screw up and recover, etc. and etc. But I don't want people to stop relying on their main incomes, the problem solver types, and just see yourself as poor. How can I create revenue around these problems that exist? Because that is how you get other people to become attracted to what you're doing. I mean, I'm, let me just be honest with you. Eight out of ten people want to check. They ain't showing up for free to help you with your problems. It's their problems too, right? These problems are everybody's. But they want to get paid. Ain't no volunteering. Oh, I can give you stories. I, I, I can do an ex, uh, um, a new podcast episode on just the excuses I have gotten from people while I'm doing my nonprofit stuff. Everyonehelpone.org. Go there. Oh, my God. Oh, I do. I think I, I work with kids all day. I think that's enough. You're like, what? How is that anything to do with volunteering? I, I work with kids. It's difficult. Oh, my God. You know, most folks that work with kids chose to because they like kids. <laughs> Not everybody. So, to conclude, problem solvers that are listening, don't wait for others. You're already doing stuff in a bubble. Make a bigger bubble and, you know, take on more things and start communicating to people what you're doing. Look for, look for uh, like-minded types. You know, independent minds are, are the fire starters. We start the fires. Then everybody, oh, my goodness, I saw the fire. You know, huh, what y'all doing over here? Yeah, huh? So fire starters are independent minds and independent, independent minds are fire starters. So just consider yourself a fire starter and then watch him walk up. Oh, yeah, what's going on over here? Okay. We need more fire starters slash problem solvers that kick things off. And less of the people who just show up later for the checks. They are everywhere. Here's what you call them. Employees. <laughs> now a bunch of y'all are listening, going, "Oh, screw you, crazy brother! Screw you!" Okay, that's a comment. I don't read them. So, but at the end of the day, that is life. You have fire starters, and then everybody else that would help keep that thing going. And it is a little frustrating when you're a fire starter, and you have to, you have to keep reminding yourself that you are. And darn it, I wish there were more of us. Well, you know what? That position is not healthy. What you do is you just keep starting your fires. You just accept that. So here's what I'm going to finish with. Problem solvers, you're a fire starter. Just accept it. Let go of the frustration that there's not enough of us. That's just life. I'm here talking about it right now. 
trying to advocate <laughs> for more fire starters, more problem solvers. And if you're older, reach down. Reach down when you see some problem solver, when you, see, when you meet a problem solver, talk them up, build them up, pump them up, whatever it takes to make them understand they are not alone. You're with them. Give them your phone number. I met one two weeks ago, 19-year-old problem solver. I've already given him a contract. He's already got a contract to do some stuff, little things for me. Got an open contract. I had a 24-year-old problem solver. Oh, let me add one more thing to the problem solver list before I go. I forgot. It's not on my list. Storytelling. This is directed at people of color because we don't tell our stories enough. Sorry to leave out the white people. Y'all, y'all are good at that. <laughs> You're good at, you know, chronicling your stuff and telling those stories later. A bunch of them ain't true, but you're really good at chronicling your stuff and then and, and keeping it going. You're good at that. Not everybody is. We need to to do that. I, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm sorry to screw up this podcast by adding some more to it after my, I said I was done. I'm going to create a storytelling business around the lack of stories about uh, the greatness of Africa before, before slavery and colonialism. Every story about a country and its greatness, the story will end when they see this apocalypto. If you saw apocalypto, just go to the ending and look at that last scene when they all that stuff they went through. They, the, the young man and the young lady who went through so much and survived, they look out and they see a boat coming to the shore. And that's the Spaniards. Oh my God, that's a different story, isn't it? Starts a new story. Every one of my stories will end when a boat shows up because that starts a new story for Africa, doesn't it? So, storytelling. I had a 24-year-old. I've been grooming her for a year and a half. Met her when COVID started. She said she wanted to tell stories. She had a degree in it, just finished college. I told her, I'm going to wear you out. You tell me when you, I, you've had enough of me because now you've told me what you want to do. And I asked her, do I have permission to work on you until you do that. And I told her, you're not gonna, you, you don't understand what you're doing. Do I have permission to, every time I see you in the grocery store, she works in the grocery store, can I, can I just ask how you're doing? Are you, are you working towards your goal? Can I, can I do that? She says, yeah, I need that, ba 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 Okay. The other day, I made up my mind, I'm no longer gonna do that to her. Because I asked her if she wanted to work with me in the in the join my be the first person to join my writer's room, the writing room that I'm getting ready to start telling this story. And the first story I'm going to tell is going to be on the the Kush, the Kushites, the 25th dynasty of Egypt. Yes, the Kushites. They made the gold for the for the Egyptians. All the stuff you saw, they made that. They conquered Egypt, they were the 25th dynasty. It got crushed. They didn't tell their stories. They didn't keep their stories. I'm going to tell that. That's going to be my first story. 
I'm going to animate my stories because that way you can be more rich in your story. It's going to be beautiful. And yes, it's going to cost money. <laughs> it's going to cost money and all of that. But I'm telling you now, you're getting to hear me say that. And when it happens, you're going to get a chance if you see it, if you keep up with it, you're going to get a chance to tell everybody, I was working with that dude that did it. He said he was going to do it. I heard it and he did it. He did it. Oh, my God. So there it is. Writers. Writing is a is a way to tell your stories and keep them going. Tell the truth. And they turn into something less than that, you know, over time. But we need people. That's a problem solving area for me. Writing, telling stories, tell your stories. Don't let other people tell your stories. And with that said, I think that's a good segue to saying thank you for listening. I apologize for going on way too long today. It's 44 minutes. You're actually getting ready to be 45 minutes. I apologize. This is going to take three listens. <laughs> so this is the last episode for season one. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you haven't, go back 32 episodes and have a listen. You guys have a great day and we will talk again.